You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, welcome to episode 114 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for March 2023. I am joined today by a very special guest who I'll introduce in a moment. Um, actually, why not now? My darling beloved husband has been good enough to come and join me. Um, I don't usually cross the streams with uh, personal and podcasting life, but uh well, you you had a uh, a nice uh, achievement this week. You got your hang on. Let me get this right. Specific category practical skills assessment, or your drone driving test, as I call it, is you you passed it on Friday morning. Friday 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 afternoon, just after twelve. Just after twelve. Not that you're counting. Yeah. Um, so I thought. So you. Your drone flying is very connected to photography because basically it's part of an ongoing photographic project uh, to capture ancient Irish monuments like ring forts and stone circles, which are A, impressive and B, big. So a lot of the time from the ground is just a strangely curving hedgerow. So in order to actually see anything, you need to change your point of view by going up, up, up. Hence yeah, a lot of... Sorry. Well, hence your droning. So hence this podcast intersection. Yeah, a couple of them are so large that from the ground, you wouldn't even know they're there because it is a seemingly straight hedgerow <laughs> that only curves a kilometer down the road. Yeah. Um, we have one of those hanging on our wall, um, Dunmave near the Hill of Tara, which is very large as these things go. Yeah, uh, I couldn't even see it from the road. It just looked like a hedgerow. Yep. So uh, th this kind of intersects with a few things we've talked about So o over the podcast series. So one of the things I've talked about a few times is photographic projects. Um, so way back in episode 25, I had a couple of guests on to recommend different photographic projects. And then on episode 59, uh, I gave a whole big, I dedicated the whole episode to my thoughts on how you do a project in the various phases and stuff. Um, and then also way back in episode 27 in December 2015, drones were very, very, very new. And the first person I knew who had one was Stefan Lesage, um, who we haven't done in a while, uh, but he's a whiskey blogger from Belgium who's also a Mac fan and photographer and cool guy. Um, and that was when in Belgium, officially, I think you couldn't even fly. But I don't think that stopped Stefan. Um, well, it didn't, because he had beautiful photographs of World War II cemeteries uh, in Flanders, which, again, they look better from above. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other is I had a thing on how to get inspiration from things. And what I suggested was changing your point of view back in episode 85. And so this is a pretty extreme case because I suggested, you know, crouch down to get a child's eye view or whatever but uh flying up what is it up to 120 meters high is definitely a different point of view yeah in class g airspace which is most of ireland you can fly up to 120 meters and this is the point where i'm going to get you to to correct me if i get this wrong and i've done my best to try and understand this uh, so i'm going to be the idiot in the room and you can set me straight if you need to uh, okay. but ireland is part of europe that much i'm sure of um yes. and uh unlike our neighbors next door we're still fully part of europe and so that means that our rules are 
like a subset of a Europe-wide pseudo standard? Ah, uh, okay. Approximately? So, EASA, the European Aeronautical Space Authority, or Aeronautic, the European Airspace Authority, I would wager. I'm um, going to guess it's in French and the words are out of order. Oh, it might be. Um, either way, EASA define the the standard for the laws and all nations have to conform to those standards. Once you are an EASA certified drone pilot, you can fly anywhere in the EU under oh. your... Yeah, so, so I can now apply for flight planning in Ireland to fly in Spain. Oh, um, so because you're Irish registered, you apply in Ireland, even though you're not, you don't want to fly um, in Ireland. Yeah. Unless I happen to be in Spain at the time, then I would apply in Spain. Um, I have no idea how the, let's call it federal, uh, interstate <laughs> communication occurs. Um, but I, but the, I, and I haven't, I haven't actually investigated how to fly elsewhere except America because I have not been in a position where flying elsewhere in the EU has been a consideration. Um, I was originally going to fly up in Northern Ireland, but then our, our neighbours left the EU and it became a lot more complicated. Ah, so it's okay. So you figured out America. Actually, so, okay, so let's back up quite a few steps here. So okay, like sorry. a driving licence, uh, if you learn to drive in any European country, they're all certified centrally, so your Irish driver's licence carries you around. So even yeah. though every country might have a different process, they're definitely going to have a different website, but the basics are going to be the same. So the basically yeah. it's drones less than 25 kilograms. You're not allowed to fly higher than 120 meters. That's the basic gist of it across Europe. Yes. Uh, in Europe, the there are two broad categories of piloting. There's the open category and the specific category. The open category is subdivided into three, depending on what the risk factors are. The lowest risk being the very small drones, less than 250 grams. If your drone is less than 250 grams, grams that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's nothing. About, about the size of an iPhone. Right, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, if your drone is less than 250 grams, and it does not have a camera, you don't even have to register. You can just take it out of the box, read the manual, and start flying. If it has a camera, then you have privacy concerns, so you have to do your open A1, A3. And A1, Actually, A3 are bundled. Sorry, go on. So I'm going to get you to walk through those in more detail in a sec, but I'm going to set the scene a little bit more first. So this show covers the art and craft of photography, and so you're now, you're getting, I would say at this stage you have the craft of drone photography down and you're now working on the art. Yes, so that is correct. I, I am hoping to not put you off so much that you won't come back, but I'm hoping to have you do the craft today and have you back when you've had more, basically when your project art. is further along yeah. and then talk about the art of drone photography. So today our focus is on the how of drone photography and then in future we can have a conversation on the creativity of getting like not just a photo, but pretty photos you know yes. artistically pleasing photos um so the 
So you had a desire to take photographs because you want to take images of these large monuments that just from the ground, they're just not interesting. And from above, they're amazing. Like they're not just a little bit interesting from above. They're very interesting from above. Yeah. And so if someone else has been inspired by this idea, ooh, I want to take things to the next level, excuse a horrible pun, um, <laughs> then they're the people I'm hoping this conversation helps. So that's just setting okay. the scene for everyone. Uh, basic, basic requirements are a drone with a camera. And a drone with a camera? If it's not more than 25 grams, or tw- sorry, 25 Two kilograms. <laughs> and 25 kilograms is heavy. That's 25 bags of sugar. Yeah, 25 kilogram. I've never seen a 25 kilogram drone. The biggest drone that I've seen is, let me check. Um, I should have, I should have done this beforehand. Uh, DJI. Uh, oh, I'll just go to the website. Well, basically, all of, all of your, all of your DJIs, I have another point I need to remember. Um, all of your DJIs are going to be, um, like all of your DJI drones, all of the drones you hear about are going to be well under 25k, like not just a little bit under. Uh, unless you're spending 16 grand on a drone, then you're probably less than one kilogram. Uh, right. Both of yeah, both of the drones that I have downstairs are sub 1K. Um, they're both too big to be open A1, but they are small enough that it doesn't matter whether or not they're... Why are you not... Oh, because you use goddamn new windows. Um, Remember we're on a podcast. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Uh, uh, I say I have one other point already. If I have that one noted. Um, so Yeah, sorry about that. Um... <laughs> Okay, so a drone and those drones, depending on the model you buy, will or won't come with a built-in controller. Um, if you're buying a DJI drone, you can opt not to have the controller so as to save 150 euro, a uh, thousand euro if you're buying a sort of mid-tier drone. Um, or for that matter, an expensive drone because they only really have three levels of controller. Right. So that's um, okay. So that's thing to bear in mind when you buy into like an ecosystem. Yes. You may want to to like. So they'll probably try sell or not try sell you. They will make available a bundle that has a drone and its controller. But you might actually be better off buying a drone of one price tier and maybe a nicer controller. Because the controller, you're unlikely to crash. Whereas your first uh, drone, yeah, you know. Oddly, oddly enough, unless you are buying their most expensive drone, or sorry, their most expensive controller, the cheaper controller is more feature-rich. Huh? So the mid-tier controller just has a built-in screen. So it saves you having to use your phone. But if you want to stream your drone, then you can't use the uh, mid-tier controller because it doesn't have the hardware transcoder built in, but your phone does. So your phone will do all of the transcoding for streaming, which means that you can only use either their cheapest controller or their most expensive controller for streaming. Interesting. The mid-tier controller is just a convenience, which... You know, I have all three. The mid-tier controller is very nice if you're not interested in streaming. If all you're interested in is photography, it is beautiful. 
And it has the advantage. So if you're just purely interested in photography, you don't need to give up your phone. Yes. Because the thing has everything built in as a screen. So it's basically like a, a really, really, really fancy racing car when you were a kid with a screen. Like a remote control, basically. You control it ah, and yeah. you see where you're going. Okay, so, and ballpark, very, very ballpark. Most basic, cheapest drone that will take nice pictures, few hundred? Four, 450 euro for a DJI Mini 2. That is the last, that is, it's not the current generation of DJI Mini. It is the previous generation of the DJI Mini, which came out at the start of the year. So it's basically last year's model, but it's a very nice piece of kit. Um, I don't advise going much cheaper than that because much like a car or a computer, you get what you pay for. And if you are only doing what I did the first time I bought a drone and spending 200 euro, it will not be an enjoyable experience. And that's, you will be fighting with the drone a lot. So, okay, so that's not just from the point of view of it not having the world's best camera. It's also from the point of view of the drone being more difficult to fly because it's just not as powerful, yeah, it's not as well clever. It's not as well built. The, the, the hardware isn't as good. The rotors aren't as strong. The, the wind will knock it out. Um, the first drone that I had could fly in wind speeds of, I think it was eight meters per second. The two downstairs are 15 meters per second and they will fly at 20. They're just in the red at 20. You don't want to do it for long yeah, because okay. you're putting more stress on the uh, engines. So you're cutting down the, the lifespan. Now, you ended up buying a cheap drone because you, I don't think you realized how much you'd love it when you bought your first drone. That's uh, correct. So you bought a relatively cheap drone and then you started buying better drones. So... Your cheap drone took a few crashes. Was that because you were learning or because it was actually a cheap drone or both? No, it was it was because it was a cheap drone. Um, the the drone that I had from Amazon for, I think it was 250 euro, was so susceptible to EM interference that at one point it launched to about half a meter, flipped vertically and flew straight into a fence and that's just like i launched normally i did all of the pre-launch rituals that you need to do to make cheap drones work you'll always need to lift them up turn them over a couple of times turn them around a couple of times uh, uh make them horizontal make them vertical and that's just to calibrate the gyroscopes because they are cheap whereas my drone will tell me if it needs calibration which it has the slightly more expensive one has never needed calibration and the slightly less expensive one um, needed calibration once when I was running it right beside a cell tower. Yeah, fair it enough. Yeah, it detected, hey, there's, there's, some, there's some EM here. Let's, let's just make sure that I have a clean signal. Yeah. Um, okay, so 400 euro-ish, 400 dollars-ish, is your floor and the yes. ceiling is infinity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a uh, hundred thousand euro. 
Um, okay, realistically though, like the, someone who's interested in photography, remember to keep the so there. someone someone like like me, the the Ma- the Mavic Three, which is what I started on when I realized that I was not just a that when I realized that it was a hobby that I was actually serious about. The Mavic Three will set you back. Come on, show me DJI. Um, oh, just ballpark. The, two grand. Two grand. Okay, that that, that that's grand. That, that saves you into a very nice drone. So yes, if, if, a, a, a lovely drone. I still enjoy my Mavic Three. And if you throw another grand on top of it, you get an even nicer drone. So maybe... yeah, you get the the Enterprise. Which the thing is, it's actually not a nicer drone. It's exactly the same camera. Um, it's it's exactly the same camera setup. It's that they are for different tasks. The Mavic 3 is your generalist drone. It will do a little bit of everything relatively well. If you want to do photogrammetry, which is where you are taking multiple shots of an area so as to stitch them together into a very large shot, like you're doing Google Earth, uh, that's what you want the Enterprise for. If you're not doing that, go for the Mavic 3. Okay. If but you're I doing guess it's, cinema work, you'll go for the the Cine, the Mavic Three Cine. It's got better stabilization or something. Um, I actually don't know because I'm not interested in in cinematog cinema cinematography cinematog cinematography. Um, I, I would guess it's the gimbals and stuff to give you a smoother. Because you're interested it, in still shots, so you don't mind that yes. it's a bit jerky when it moves left and right. Whereas if you were doing a movie, you'd want a very pleasing pan. Precisely. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we have our ballpark, you know, 400 to a few thousand is your sort of ballpark. Mm. So whether you're in Europe or in the US, if you buy a drone of that sort of caliber and you take it out of the box and you launch it into the air, Am I right that you're breaking the law both in Europe and America if you do that with nothing more? Uh, with the Mavic 3, you are breaking the law. With the Mavic Mini in America, I don't believe you're breaking the law, but that comes with some heavy astrocies. Um, I think you may need to do the trust regardless. But right, like I so- know that I was in the category where I was going to not only have to do the trust, but do the trust, uh, the trust being the American... Um, the American recreational drone pilots. Uh, let's use the word license vernacularly. It's not a, a legal license, but it's what you need to do. It's the certification you need to have. You print off a little cert and you are legally allowed to fly. And basically, uh, they show you some videos and make sure that you know not to do really dumb things. In America, it isn't even videos. It's a series of... Um, a series of, of bullet points that you need to to internalize. They then test you on them. The entire process took about 15 minutes. It and cost it, nothing because... And it's not rocket science. Like, they are no, basic it, questions. Yeah, they are basic questions like, how high can you fly? Um, okay. Can you fly in military airspace? Can <laughs> I'm going to harass- guess, no. Yeah, yeah. Can you harass your neighbors with your drone? It's the kind okay. of stuff that has come out of what are people doing that they shouldn't be and let's get them agree to not do us. Right. 
Yeah, which makes sense. And in Europe, then, in any of these drones, you do need to do a little bit more, but not a huge amount more. If your drone has a camera at all, you need to register as an operator. Uh, it costs 30 euro. You sit down. It's again, it's only 15 minutes, a series of YouTube videos and a very simple exam. Uh, and that for the for the likes of the uh, Mavic Mini or the Mavic 3, but not the Mavic 3 Enterprise, you can operate under the open category A1A3. Right. Okay. So you buy your drone, you take it out of the box, you need to go to the EASA page, do your basic stuff there. And then in Ireland, you're paying the Irish Aviation Authority. In Belgium, you'd pay the Belgians. In French, you'd pay the French. And the exact nuance could be different. I believe that the nuances are in where the governments specify airspace category. But that the the training is identical because you. Oh, have actually, I'm to sorry. Complete... I'm looking at the URL now, and it's easa.europa.eu. So that's actually one page for the whole of Europe. Never mind. Yeah, the the, the laws are homogenized, but the airspace isn't. So if you take Ireland, we have taken a very very permissive view, as long as you're nowhere near an airport. Whereas Fair. if you look at Belgium, almost the entirety of the country is restricted airspace. And I believe it is relatively difficult to fly as a hobbyist legally, which, okay. of course, I recommend. Legal, yes. Just to be very clear, because in Ireland there's a lot of stuff in the news at the moment about the airport being shut down by idiots with drones. If you buy a drone, follow the bloody law. Yeah, follow the law. You are obliged to familiarise yourself with the law and to adhere to us. Which, yeah, because ignorance is no defense. But if you familiarize yourself, you really, really, really have no defense. Yeah. Uh, and the, the basics of the law are don't be obnoxious, be mindful of, the, of your, your fellow human beings and don't fly near airports. Seems reasonable. So yeah. your, your 30 quid gets you your A1 slash 3, your A1, A3 open. Yep. You're, which You're open means that you can, you can fly a small drone, so less than 25 kilograms, up to a height of 120 meters. No. You have to be able to see it. Yeah, the A1 is specifically less than 250 grams. Well, that's the one we don't care about as photographers because it can't have a camera. So uh, no, A's... it can. You just have to register as an operator. Like you have okay. to register as an operator if it has a camera at all. Right. Okay. So basically, from our point of view as a photography podcast, your A1, A3 is for anything with a camera. Less than 25 kilograms, you're allowed to fly up to 120 meters high, which is very high. Like It is. I, I, it is much I've higher than you would think. I've seen you, because the drones aren't big, uh, and they become very small, uh, and you're, the rule is you have to be in visual range of your drone at all times. So any more than 120 meters, and unless you have really good eyesight, I think you're breaking two rules. Yeah, you have to fly by eyesight. It is... Very tempting because of because of how nice the controllers are. It's very tempting to fly, looking at the screen, like a computer but game. You act like yeah, like a computer game. But you must keep your eye on the drone when it is flying. When it's hovering, sure, you can look down, take the photograph. But you should 
you should be more mindful of the drone by your eyesight unless you have a drone spotter who can watch the drone for you uh, than you are mindful of the controller at all. Yeah. And it is a it is a thing that takes practice. It is a thing that takes a lot of practice because the temptation is to treat it like a computer game. And also when it's coming towards you, everything's backwards. Left Sorry, is right, what? right. When the drone... Oh, is... yes, yes. That is, that, is, that is definitely something that took me quite some time to learn. And sometimes Which is practice. I still get wrong. Yeah, and it's just I... practice. It's practice, right? It is right? practice. Practice and muscle memory. Yeah, so... Visual range, no more than 120 meters during the day. It has to be before civil twilight. So civil twilight was six degrees before, under the horizon, I think. Or before yeah, sunset. Before before civil sunset. Um, before the, the exact phrasing is from no, no earlier than the start of civil twilight, uh, of civil, civil, of twilight, civil dawn. Yeah. yeah, and no no later than the end of civil Twilight. Civil, uh, civil, civil twilight. Which, by the way, if anyone's wondering, any law that talks about something being at night or not, that is actually the legal definition of civil twilight, and that is six degrees, the sun is six degrees below the horizon. Uh, if you're at sea, it's nautical twilight, it's 12, and if you're an astronomer, it's 18 degrees for astronomical twilight. Just my little mm. trivia of the day, which I only know for the astronomy point of view. Uh, if you want pictures of the stars that don't look terrible, the sun has to be 18 degrees below the horizon. Uh, and I don't like ships because I get seasick, but I do know that it's halfway between civil and astronomical. So anyway, mm. so when it's not dark, you well, have to be able dark. to see it, not in restricted airspace. In other words, nowhere near your airports, etc. And uh, the other one I love is not anywhere near uninvolved people. In other words, people who are not with you. Yeah, the advice, and it is advice that I would uh, agree with, is that if some uninvolved person comes to you, that you have on hand a waiver that they can sign. The legal requirement is, however, that you tell them of the risks involved because they need to be, uh, that the consent needs to be informed um, and that they affirmatively consent. So nice. it's not merely that you tell them what the risks are, they hang around and you take that to be consent. Now they have to say, I agree. So with your, your, your open A13, basically go where there aren't people. Go where there aren't people. Uh, if you're flying Land in the A1, you're small, so the risk is negligible. If you're in the A3, you're far away, so the risk is negligible. The uh, open category up being about reducing the risk to people. So you did the A1 and that was a very easy thing to do. Yes. You then went on to do the optional A2. So that was an online course again, but more involved. That was... Uh, yeah, it was uh, about four hours of, semin of, of video seminars, followed by an exam that you need to score, I think, but don't quote me, or don't, I think, but verify that it's 75%. And I got 97% in it because it's mostly common sense. There's some stuff that I didn't know about meteorology, about the weather and how the weather affects drones that I would never have guessed that I just needed to know. Like the drone will perform less well in warm weather because the air is less dense 
So the drone has to do more work to get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it also performs less well in fog because water molecules are bigger than air molecules. So there is less in the volume for the drone to push against. Uh-huh. You get more, yeah, you get more more air molecules per square or per cubic meter than you get water molecules when so they are. So your drone is cranky in the fog. Yeah. Um, now, now, if you're supposed to be able to see it, probably shouldn't be flying in the fog anyway. But as well, I say, you're, that's your A1, A3. So anyway, your A2 lets you have a little more. No, you're still in visual range though, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you, have vis- you still have visual range. Remember the freezing mist that we had before Christmas? Yes. I could still see the drone up to, I would say, 200 metres away. Um, Not 200 metres up, 200 metres away. No, yeah, 200 metres from me. Yeah. Because I decided to try and take some nice photographs of the campus. But I didn't like the way the drone was flying, so I I took it back and, and landed it. And it turns out that I didn't like the way the drone was flying because there was ice forming on it because it was... Uh, frost clock yeah which which i'd never seen so you can fly as long as you can see the drone uh, and it may not, not be happy all, about it yeah it may it won't be happy about us yeah now uh, like frost uh, freezing ice on wings is a real problem that's taken down like 737s and stuff so yes i'm not surprised the drone was a bit cranky when it had ice on its way on its rotors yeah it was not flying the way i am accustomed to it flying yeah I imagine the little computer in there was doing a lot of work to counteract for all the weirdness that was going on. Exactly. Um, Okay, so you do the extra course, you take the longer exam, and that gets you the, basically, you're now allowed to fly near people because you're properly trained is the basics of what the A2 Yes, I I can fly anything up to four kilograms in weight within 50 metres of people or five metres of people if it has a slow mode that is less than five meters per second and that uh, that that makes sure that you can prevent a collision with a person and is, again realistically speaking the dji's and stuff they fall into this criteria oh yeah the 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 mavic 3 is 900 and something grams the mavic 3 enterprise is 900 and something grams um but it's so the Mavic 3, as it happens, is the first drone to get what is called a classification. It, the Mavic 3 is a C1 drone. Uh, that is that it meets the European standards for flights under the A2 category. And it's it's so far the only drone to have it. The Mavic 3 won't, uh, the Mavic 3 Enterprise won't get that because it's just too heavy. Um, but it, it will probably get the C2 classification. He says, okay. hoping. Anyway, Touching the up. point is, if you do the extra work, and now, was there any more money that had to change hands here? There was, yes. The training for the, um, the training for the A1, A3 is by law free. The training for the A2 is not the training for the a183 is provided by the irish the, the irish aviation authority here it'll be provided by your local government in the eu um for the a2 training i went to a um i don't know what dotu stands for but it's the term that is used um probably drone operator training unit he plausible. says plausibly um i went to avtrain 
they trained me for, I think it was a hundred euro, um, provided an exam. Once the exam was, was, um, certified by them, the IAA provided me my A2 certification. And so the hundred euro covered the course and whatever paperwork went to the IAA. No, the uh, IAA. Oh, I don't remember whether what, what the, the the price for um, the Open A two certification from the IAA was. Um, well, the the point is, you had to pay again another. Yes, uh, and it is valid. It's forty five euro. The IAA fee is forty five euro for the Open A two, so it is okay. not particularly expensive. Grant. Okay. So, and at that stage, so you're now able to fly within the five meters of people with a decent modern drone. So basically you're now free during the day, not near airports to take your photographs. Like mm. That is probably what most people would find more than sufficient to take nice pictures. Yeah. Most, most hobbyists and in fact, many professional photographers don't require the specific category training. Which is what comes next. So your open A1, A3 is easy. Your open A2 is a little bit more work, but still easy. And still then you're into easy. specific category because that's what you did. So that's why you had your, yes. your your drone driving test, as I call it, your specific category, test. specific category practical skills assessment. So the reason it's called that is because it's a specific category is what you're applying for. Yes. Now that involved... Uh, like training with like a teacher and stuff. It did. It was an online web seminar uh, where I was in a virtual room with 15 or 20 other drone pilots, each of whom had 200 plus hours of aeroplane piloting experience. And then me, this this one Irish guy who just wants to photograph rainforts. Um. <laughs> Good room to be so in. So I was, I was a little bit out of my depth. But that's fine. They were all very, very nice about it. And I met, um, I met the head of the company that was doing training with me when I was when I went for my practical exam. Yeah. But it was and it so, was an hour long. Uh, sorry, not an hour long, a day long training session. And from, that ballpark, few hundred euro. That was six hundred euro, uh, give or take, and. There doesn't seem to be much variation in price because you're not really like you're you're paying somebody for their time, and it is an all day day thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, um, the price is probably as cut down and competitive as it can be. And does that cover the exam, the the practical exam as well? Then it does. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I I yeah I didn't I didn't um. I didn't pay further for the the exam on Friday. Uh, you then have to pay the ah now the the training that I did qualified me as a pilot to then go out and fly as specific category. You need to be flying for an operator. I am also an operator, so you have to if you are not flying for a company, get yourself recognized by the IAA as an operator, which costs 300 euro every two years. Um, you may need to uptrain during those two years because the, the, the 
not certification. The legislation is currently in flux because new things are arising. So if you were doing this not for fun, but for a living, the operator would be your employer? The operator would be your employer, yes. But since you're doing it for fun, you're your own boss. I am my own boss, <laughs> yes. Um, and again, this is, just, this is not something you have to do. This is something you're doing because it gives you the ability to uh, fly after nautical, uh, sorry, after civil yeah, twilight. I, I can now fly at any time. Well, sorry, as soon as my as soon as my operation authorisa- authorization comes through, it is yeah, supposed assuming to be the paperwork days. is done. Assuming, yeah. assuming the paperwork is done, I can fly at nice, and I can apply to fly in restricted airspace. So you can get a clearance from air traffic, literally from air traffic control, the actual air traffic control who do airplanes, like the real thing here. You can phone them. You have a number for them. Uh, actually, I fill in a form, the UF-101, okay. and I have to fill in two phone numbers so that they can guarantee that they can call you because they might call you on one. And if they don't, if they get a busy signal, call you on another. Because right. um, so, they need to be able to tell you, get the bleep out of our yeah. airspace. There's an ambulance helicopter coming through. Exactly so. Um, and uh, give them three days notice and the chances are they will per- permit us. They, As far as I'm aware, there has to be a valid reason for them to say no. That you're not just, right. that you're not just worried about the good mood of the person processing the form. Yeah, I mean, but, that's how most things work in the aviation industry, right? It's basically, they get the right to veto it for safety reasons but for safety reasons not yeah. not for capricious reasons like or national is, security that's a safety of a sort i guess yes somewhat different sort but yeah okay so again this is now you going into the cool territory here so for most people your a your a1 is probably enough your a2 if you're going to be near people and yeah. that should be grand. Now, I, I obviously you're obviously in Europe, so Europe is way more your bailiwick. But the, the trust thing for America, what, what's the story with that being near people? Um, you don't fly over groups of people. Let's see. There are eight category. There are eight criterion for flying under the trust. The first is that you are not doing it for money, and this is really really important. If you're taking a video. And you put it up on YouTube and you have monetized your channel. You cannot fly under trust. You need something called part 107. And because I have no interest in making money, I don't know anything about part 107. Um, I know that it is much more involved than trust. Trust took 15 minutes. Uh, You need to follow safety guidelines from a community-based organization that the FAA have recognized. Much like the EU, you need to keep your drone within visual line of sight or use a visual observer. Oh, you can don't... outsource the observing to someone else. That's interesting. You can have like yes. a spotter. Yeah, exactly. A, a drone spotter. Um, you, the, 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 I'm not sure if 400, meter or 400 feet, which is the ceiling for American drones, I'm not sure if that's exactly 120 meters or ballpark 120 meters. Ballpark. But I, yeah. yeah, I suspect it is. Uh, you, take a, you take the test. Um, and you do not operate your drone in a manner that endangers the safety of the national airspace system. So it does not That's seem to have the same rule thing, regarding. Right? Yeah, it doesn't seem to have the same rule regarding not flying over people. Uh, so for photographers, trust was. is probably sufficient. Yeah, for for most 
as long as you are not making any money at all off your photography or videos, trust will do. If if you are just photographing for the love of it. Yeah. If you take a photograph in America and then later decide you have you are going to monetize us, you will have broken the law. So so don't, because it is decided at the point where you launch whether you are flying it or part 107 or the longer number that governs trust. I I can't remember what it's some, some paragraph, whatever of yeah, it's a five title, whatever. Number, so I didn't memorize us. Yeah, 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 don't. Yeah. OK, so basically that that gets us pretty much to the point where you can then begin the exploration of the art of drone photography, because you're now at a point where you can make it go, point it at things, and take a photo. And yeah. now it becomes about being creative. And I know you spent a lot of time and effort getting good at panorama stitching because the things you photograph are big. And while 100 are... metres is high, it's not infinity high. It will take... So there are, with the exception of Dunmave, all of the... S- most of the the sites that I have photographed, you could take a good photograph at 120 meters. It just wouldn't be particularly clear because Ireland is always humid. So you are photographing through water vapor. Right. Um, So stitching together gives a clearer view. Yeah. So I like to take myself down to 60 meters, maybe 40 meters, and take a photograph every third so every time I, I move, I make sure that what was at the edge is now a third of the way in. And I keep doing that until I have everything done. And yeah, that is that is standard advice if you're taking a panorama with your phone of a landscape or something. Basically have a third overlap and then the software doesn't have to stress itself to give that you is, clean joints. Yeah, that is that is certainly what I have found. I haven't found better software than the now abandoned Microsoft ICE image composite editor um which is utterly painless you just feed it the images and it stitches them together um a good mac alternative uh which works most of the time is affinity 2 but image stitching is a very difficult problem just to to say that affinity is actually cross-platform ah okay microsoft ice is not Yes. You know, uh, Affinity uh, Affinity are a pretty darn impressive company. Um they they have products to replace Photoshop, they have products to replace Lightroom, uh they have products to replace Publisher. They they have a really nice suite of software these days and it is all cross platform, which is very and, nice. And not sponsoring us. And not sponsoring us. No, I, I just I am an owner, you are an owner. Um yep. Uh, our community, quite a few people in our community use use their products because they're good. So there we go. Right. Well, um, I think that sort of gives a pretty good overview to anyone who is uh, in the mood for taking their photography to the next level. I'll make that pun again. Um, sorry. Uh, right. So uh, at the moment, do you or do you not? I probably should have asked up front. Do you want to give out any links to anything or are you sort of oh, keeping oh. your head down for now? It hurt me that I would. Um, I do have a photo 
gallery of the but then um, I will, you will find a link to that photo gallery in the show notes. That They will appear in the show notes. And actually, I'll also get you to pop a link to the Microsoft tool and the um, the other tool we mentioned. And I'll pop those in the bottom of the show notes as well. So people can find those show notes at lets-talk.ie, where they can also find the... Uh, Big blue buttons under the heading support the show. So I want to say thank you to everyone who has ever supported the show. This is a 100% listener supported show. There are no ads. There are no sponsors, uh, mainly because I don't want there ever to be any doubt that these opinions are mine and mine alone. Um, And the fact that you guys make it possible for this show to break even, I love and I'm really, really grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. uh, I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time. Happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, David, this week on TechFan, let's talk about Apple. Uh, don't like it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Windows? We can talk about Windows. Boring! Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things in 3D printing going on. We could we could talk really? about... Cool? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, uh, what about, like, uh, the Raspberry Pi? We've we've discussed that in the past. It's TechFan. No! Uh, you're, you're just being difficult now. What do you want to talk about this week on TechFan? How about we talk about Apple, and then a little bit about Microsoft, and then the Raspberry Pi? You suck. <laughs>